This is a totally Levy and Horn football podcast. It is sold. Hello there and welcome. Hello there and welcome to this new new podcast of the Totally Levy and Hall Football. And I'm your host, Carl Levy, as usual. And like, like I said, I want to thank all my supporters who are thank all our supporters who are going to follow us because we feel like after five years we thought we get we thought we accepted loyalty, we get absolutely bloody disloyalty. And for me, it, I'm I'm broke, heartbroken. But you know what? I knew this was coming. And now to see some two so-called friends that we used to have now taking our show with the name that we we own in a, on a previous radio station, I can have to say after Friday it went it was completely. But we are still here, myself and the crew that we always on together on on our previous incarnation. But we're now reincarnated into now proper podcast as well as YouTube. So we're going to see us do videos and do all the previews and the, and the reviews of every single league from the Premier League to EFL to Champions League and so forth. And we also will do some sort of content videos as well with transfer rumors. So, but I have got my sidekick for at least hopefully the next few minutes. And joining us as well is Douglas Horn. Douglas, how are you? Ah, a new era begins, my friends. Um, thank you very, very much for having me, um, as always, and I'm looking forward to this. You are, and like I said, yes, we're still together as co-hosts. We got our own podcast. We're now going forward with this popular. It's, a, it's a, this is a new ball game for us because now we now don't have to be restricted by bu- bullshit radio management or doing it on a Friday like we used to do. Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah, like I think what's happened is just ridiculous. And you know what? I'm glad that we've both got each other. Is is all I can say because we've we've been we've stuck through thick and thin. Um, goodness me, you're my best man, of course, for you know my wedding. So yeah, look. Unfortunately, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a moment where we're like, yeah, we probably got out at the right time. To be honest. Yeah, um, five years, it's been a long time, and we thought we expected loyalty, but do you know what, behind the scenes, it wasn't loyalty, because it was just, oh, they just want the money, and do you know what, mm-hmm. they, they get money from you for the other, for the August membership, but I'm not paying a dime, I'm using that money to pay to make sure our content gets better and better for the long term wise. Yeah, I think, I think you're wise to do that, I think you're wise to do that. Absolutely, indeed. Right, we're going to talk about Scotland, um, that, it was a must-win game for yesterday to get Scotland, but last night, but they won. Uh, Lindy last scored a goal. How huge was that was that last night? Oh, massive. Absolutely massive. Uh, it was all about getting the three points. Um, no matter how bad the performance was, I mean, you know, I think I think our bubbles kind of burst a little bit. And the reason I say that is because I think if you look at the way that we played since the Euros, we haven't actually been very, very good. Obviously, you know, the win against Moldova is, is the main thing for sure. But the performance against Denmark, we were hardly in that game. I think the second half, uh, we we kind of attacked them a little bit better. 
Um, I don't think the playing Andy Robertson as a right wing back helped at all. So was that was that you surprised with that? What when how Steve Clark really put certain players in the wrong positions against against teams like Denmark and and also Moldova as well? Because that was really surprising for what his selection. Yeah, I think. Look, I think it was because. Uh, it was kind of forced because there was a lot of players out with obviously you know COVID injuries, um, etc. etc. I think we only had I think about six subs uh, against Denmark. Obviously, it was a it was a lot lot bigger squad uh, against Moldova. Um, anyway, but we look a better team with Ryan Christie in the team. We look a better team with Stuart Armstrong in the team. We look a better team with Lyndon Dykes in the team as well. I, I think the thing the thing for me is we need to be if we're look. We have got the win against Moldova, which is the main thing. Austria is going to be a very, very hard game. Although they have just been beaten 5-2 by Israel, which is absolutely not good for us because Israel are now second, we're third, and I think Austria are fourth or something. So, But it was all about the three points last night. All about three points, not, not the performance, the three points. Absolutely indeed. Um, is this really a huge chance for Scotland to try to qualify for next year's World Cup now? Because they're not qualified, like I said, since 1998. You know, they qualified recently. They got into the Euros this recently, this past summer, you know, playing it, you know, playing the best they could. But do they need to really put, put more better performances now to try to get to the final in the last stages now of the World Cup qualifying campaign? 100%. Yeah. The, 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 I think Austria is a must win. Um, as well, um, you know, if you don't win your home games, then I think you you are going to struggle. I mean, I think we've drawn with Israel, and we always seem to draw with Israel. No, actually, we've drawn with Israel away. Sorry, we we drew with Israel away, um, and I think the Austria game, the two two, was a bit damaging as well. You know, if we've beaten Austria, then it might be a lot lot better because Denmark away, look, Copenhagen, fantastic, fantastic stadium, that absolutely fantastic, obviously. Um, you know, I think Denmark won everyone's hearts last last um, summer at the you know the Euros as well. Um, so that was always going to be a tricky game to to come out of. I think two 0 was a, actually a good result, uh, considering that you know they scored two goals in a minute um, as well. But as I say, that Austria game is so so tough. I mean, you've got good players like Sabitzer, Alaba, Arnautovic. You know they've got they've got very very good squads um, as well. My only concern for them is goalkeeper. I've never been a fan of Daniel Backman. So if we can actually get shots in very, very early on, I think we could. Even, I think we could maybe get a, you know, a, maybe a goal or two. Because like at Watford, we've seen that he can be beaten from distance. He's not the best coming out as well, and he is kind of he is kind of um, accident prone as well. Yeah, absolutely indeed, absolutely indeed. Um, like I said, look at the results from the World Cup as well, earlier today as well. Um, interesting, but I have to talk about Wales as well with you, Dill. They just won against Belarus 3-2, Bale scored the hat-trick, um, last 93rd-minute winner. Um, how's you use that, that for Wales to get their second win in that campaign? Massive. If, if, they, if they didn't win that, then, you know, I think I think Belgium are playing the Czechs uh, tonight. Um, so, if they hadn't beaten um, Belarus, then you know I think I think that would have probably been been over. Uh, they have to beat Estonia. It's a massive, massive game against Estonia. And yes, Gareth Bale scoring a hat trick. He obviously, you know, he can still score goals as well. But that was a weird, weird game. I mean, it was on it was on a a really bobbly surface. Like the pitch yeah. was absolutely awful. 
absolutely awful. I mean, I think there was one challenge from I think one of the Belarus players and Gareth Bale I think buckled his knee into the into the ground and you were all fearing the worst then. But no, to be fair, um, I think Belarus's penalty is a bit dodgy. I don't think uh, Chris Gunter touches the guy. I think the guy goes down really, really easily. Um, and you know the referees bought that, and obviously it's a, you know it's given as a penalty. They score it. Um, but I thought Wales defensively were shocking today, so they need need to be a maybe a lot better uh, defensively. But when you've got Gareth Bale on your team, it doesn't really matter, does it? No, it doesn't matter at all as well. Um, looking at the table as well, where Wales are at the moment in see the groups now because they are now just even now behind Czech Republic on two points behind Czech Republic. Belgium, like I said, are playing tonight as well. So this is it's gonna be a huge game for for Belgium as well, because they you know, but Wales also have a decent chance to go to the World Cup because they've not been to the World Cup yet, just like Scotland for such a long time, not since nineteen fifty eight. Yeah, absolutely I, I, I was I was absolutely amazed when I read that. Um so yeah, it's a big, big chance for Wales. Especially with obviously, you know, Gareth, um, Ryan Giggs still um, they're still up in the air about his future as well. Obviously, it's Rob Page at the moment. You know, he did he did do well at the Euros. It was just you know in the Denmark game. I think they they kind of lost their way a little bit. But um, yeah, big big pressure, big big pressure for uh, you know Rob Page, and you know hopefully he can he can do it. Um, but yeah, the Estonia game. I think that's at the Cardiff City Stadium. I think it's on uh, on Wednesday. That is a huge, huge must-win game for them. It is a, a huge must-win game as well. Um, before you go, because I know you got to go do some other, other, other projects as you have to do. Um, talk about some transfer rumors about with Mo Salah. He's been offered. He's, he wants a half of a million pounds per week for Liverpool. What is your take on this? And do you think Liverpool will even do something like this? Because your pay structure, you're not going to let players go get to that to that wage. Well, the Echo have come out and said it's an absolute load of nonsense. He's not wanting 500k. He he hasn't even suggested that that number. So whoever's come out with that is click clickbait nonsense. In all honesty, it's it's just it's just click clickbait journalists trying to get the fans against um you know our 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 wee Egyptian king almost um you know is um. I mean, it's a it's a bit it's a big big weekend for him because obviously you know he 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 plays he plays Leeds plays your guys of course, um, and if he scores against Leeds, he will be on a hundred Premier League goals. Yeah, absolutely, indeed. Yeah, interesting as well. Um, also, your transfer window before you as well. Um, was that expected? Just bringing in one player in very quiet for for Liverpool this summer. It's been a very quiet window. I would have wanted maybe one or two more, but I can understand where they're coming from. That they, you know, I think there is obviously money to be you know be spent there. But I think it was all about getting the the big main players: your Van Dijk, your Robertsons, your Trents, Allies, Allison, sorry, Fabinho, um, you know, Henderson as well getting all these players signed up for, for new contracts. And I'm absolutely delighted. I'm absolutely delighted for Nat Phillips because I think him and Reese Williams getting new deals. Um, obviously, Reese Williams has gone out of Swansea, but I think he'll do well at Swansea. I think um, Nat Phillips signing a new contract is absolutely massive as well because we don't want to be in the position where we were last season. You know, five, um, 22 centre-back partnerships. We don't want to be in that position again. So I think 
having Van Dyke, having Gomez, having Konati, having Matip, and having Nat Phillips as you know five centre back uh, choices is very very good. And plus, you've obviously got Simicast as well at left back. You know, if he wants to give um, if you want him, want him to get uh, you know give Robertson a wee rest and. You know, I don't think we've talked about Harvey Elliott yet. Look, he's he's like a new signing to me. He's um, he, he has such a talent as well, and you know, played the first two first two uh, home games against uh, Burnley and Chelsea, and I'd argue he's probably been man of the match in both of them. So I'm not I'm not worried. I'm not I'm not I'm not worried. Um, but uh, it was a disappointing window, but. I think we did our business when we did, and I think Kanati is a is a huge signing for me um, because we needed to make it. Absolutely, Doug. It's a pleasure always. I'll let you go and thank you for coming. And hopefully, we will get you back on. We can we can set a schedule up properly now since we are going to go from this day forth. So hopefully, we can get a schedule and talk about some some decent content and banter as well. Yeah, no problem, Carl. Thank you very much, and uh, I'll speak to you soon, my friend. Cheers, mate. Take care of yourself. Cheers, you too. See you later. Bye. And that is Doug Holt. And coming up next, we'll have none other than Reagan Wilson, who will join us once he's his review after the England game against Hungary and Andoria, and we'll have his view on the transfer window as well. Doug on anyway. Hi. Welcome to the Totally Levy and Hall Football Podcast. You may know us from a certain radio station that we used to be part of for the last five years, but now we've broken free, we've become our own bosses. So join myself and Douglas along with pop top football host Reagan Wilson where we talk about the pre all the weekend's games from the Premier League to the EFL to the Scottish to Scottish leagues and also the domestic leagues and cups around Europe as well. We also have some light-hearted banter and some serious debates on certain controversial topics. So join myself, Douglas and Reagan with a bunch of other guests that will be joining us here on the Totally Levy and Horn Football Podcast. Thank you, Doug, for joining us as well. Uh, also, we've got another guest here as well. He's going to be one of our regular co-hosts on the podcasting team as well. And Yes, he is a bit of a Southern, but from Derby. Even though I hate Derby as a Leeds fan, but he also supports my, one of the eight clubs I cross the pennant as well. But you know what? He's our friend and he's a host of Pub Talk Football, ladies and gentlemen, Reagan Wilson. Reagan, good to see you, man. Where do I go from an instruction like that? And, uh, cheers, mate. It's nice to be on and it's uh, it's nice to start this new adventure of ours. And let's hope it's going to be a raging success and a lot better than a certain other show, but that's not even worth, even worth mentioning. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we got Douglas' view on that part. What is your view? What what I said to you this past weekend? It, it just shows lo- disloyalty, isn't it? Disloyalty and just a lack of respect, really, for the for the predecessors who actually created the show. I mean, they should be thankful that they're actually getting the opportunity to do that show because you and Doug created it, and they've sort of just carried it on or stolen it from you. If I think it's fair to say so. Yeah, it's a strange one, but people's true cause show sometimes, I suppose. Absolutely indeed. And like I said, we can do the fuck whatever we want now. So <laughs> we got the we got the freedom we want to do. So the shackles are off. 
<laughs> it is absolutely off, mate. It's absolutely off. Um, you just watched the England game earlier on against Adore. I was just watching coming home from Huddersfield because I was coming back to see my family. Um, give us your input of England's 4-0 win. Yeah, I mean, it was very similar to the Hungary game, really, in respect of the first 60, 70 minutes. It was, you know, it wasn't a poor performance by any means, but it was what you usually get in these qualifiers. It was quite flat and lethargic, I suppose, really. Then as they tired towards the end, we managed to get a few more goals. We brought, made a triple substitution of Kane, Mount and Grealish, and the intensity saw went up by then. It's a combination of them tiring and us bringing obviously quality players onto the pitch. But yeah, you can't really complain about a 4-0 victory and back-to-back 4-0 wins. Obviously, the other night, the main talking point wasn't the football. It was what happened in the stands once again. But uh, yeah, some good goals and uh can only be a good thing, really. Let's hope more of the same at, uh, I think it's away at Poland on Wednesday night. So yeah, absolutely. Um, let's go, like I said, to the game of, uh, against Hungary. Um, despite England won um, in Hungary, but there was disgraceful scenes from the Hungarian fans. The Hungarian fans had the issue as well early in the Euros as well. It, they were supposed to be banned by UEFA, but in FIFA's law, they were not banned coming to the stadium. And they were throwing beers and making monkey chants again. This is another issue we have racing in football. What can FIFA needs to do? And UEFA, what does UEFA need to do? Do you know what, Carl? I think the sad thing is, I said it last time, we, I can't remember what the last instant was we spoke about. It might have been what happened, obviously, after the Euros final, Rashford, Saka and Sancho. But I'll say the same thing again. I'm, I'm actually not surprised one bit that it happened. That's the saddest thing. It's This is normal, it seems, in football at the minute for this sort of thing to take place. And I see Harry Maguire actually put a tweet out basically challenging UEFA, like, come on, what are you going to do this time? Because... I mean, what was it? Was it Bulgaria a couple of years ago? He went away yeah. there and there was all the racist chants. I think they got fined about 12,000 euros. I mean, that's nothing. I mean, kick him out of the next couple of tournaments. Don't don't let him participate in any sort of qualifiers at all. Then maybe if they're proper fans, they're not going to turn up to, to football games and racially abuse people because it has consequences. But then you could say it's unfair on the players because it's nothing to do with them. But... I don't know what the answer is, but there's got to be some more serious implications and consequences. You know, if if somebody if somebody at a football game is found to be guilty of racially abusing someone, write to their employer straight away. I'm sure every employer in this country would immediately, you know, fire someone who's been basically found guilty of racially abusing someone. Then, you know, that's a serious consequence that they'll lose the job. And there's got to be consequence in education as well but it's on such a mass scale it seems it's it's going to be so so difficult to change people's you know i guess their their ways really it's 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 sad that we're even having to talk about this again but unfortunately it seems to be getting worse before it gets any better yeah, absolutely. we saw the statement coming from the Hungarian Football Association. Uh, they came out to criticize the, they didn't criticize much the fans as much with the racism, but they were a bit not happy with the behavior. But they didn't criticize it. Where does where do you draw the line with that statement from what the Hungarian FA came out with? It was very very a, a blasted, really stupid um, statement that they that that they addressed the, the issues. Yeah, I think they've just made it worse, to be honest, with that statement. There's no sort of 
condemnation of the, of the behaviour from the fans. It's sort of like, I know it's, it's sort of like a bit of a slap on the wrist, really. Like, oh, yeah, they shouldn't have done that. But, oh, yeah, and then just move on. I mean, this is the thing, mate. It's, it, it's acceptable, basically, to these people. They don't see it as a big issue. I mean, what world are we living in? It's mm. scary, really. It is scary indeed, but you know what? Uh, like I said, you saw the you saw Jack Grace picking up a can, a, 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 a cup, and he drunk it as well. <laughs> Fucking fair play to him, man, because he he actually took he took the abuse with that one, you know. Stuff with, and I saw the Declan <laughs> Rice as well too. Hey, don't don't throw a beer at English lads. We fucking love a good booze. So. Oh yeah, <laughs> nice one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, indeed, absolutely, indeed. But like I said, England the world they top the group at the moment. They go to Poland Wednesday. How huge is this game, Reagan, to try to probably get closer to qualify for the World Cup? Yeah, I mean, I think you'd say that the toughest opponent we've got in the group. But I expect us to go over there and win. I think it'll be a stronger team than what we see tonight. I think you'll see more of the first teamers involved who played against Hungary. And yeah, they're a good team. They've got some good players. They've obviously, you're always a threat when you've got Lewandowski up front. But yeah, I'd expect us to go over there and, and get a result. And then I'd, how many games are left after this? I don't think there can be too many. Is there two or three left? Yeah, two or three left now. Yeah. So we are coming to close to the end of the campaign. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah. I mean, I mean, what? It's, it's, it, it's always a given that we're going to qualify anyway. So it's sometimes a bit of a chore watching these games, but but you do, I suppose, for the sake of it. It's a bit of a come down after last time we was watching England playing in European semi-finals and finals. But let's just start with a young squad we've got that in 18, well, 18 months, it's only, what, 15 months now in, in um, Qatar that we're challenging again. There's no reason... Why we can't be, you know, a lot of people's biggest doubts going into the Euros was the manager, but I don't think you can doubt the manager now, realistically. So we've certainly got a lot to be positive about. Yeah, absolutely, indeed, absolutely. Indeed. Um, we did get we got, we got Douglas to view on Scotland and Wales as well. We have to talk about Republic Ireland as well. They're not being really too well. They got the draw last night, but where does that where does Irish football go from here? I mean, the biggest problem with them, I mean, I know they've never had, you know, a team like England have in terms of the quality throughout Irish football, but there's a, a really, really, really alarming lack of quality in the Irish team at the minute. I mean, obviously, from a, from a derby point of view, I've been watching Jason Knight week in, week out for the last couple of years, and honestly, mate, he's, he's a bang average player in the Championship, if that, and he's not in this squad because he's injured at the minute, but... He's actually been starting games some at times. I mean, that really raised alarm bells to me. Their best player by a million miles is probably Seamus Coleman, and he's been a top fullback in the Premier League for the last 10 years or so. But his legs are going, mate. He's way past it. And he's their best player by far. So it's Ireland are just going to have to wait for a, a good few years, really, until they start producing some, some better talent that can come into that team and really elevate them because it's. It's not like they can go out and sign someone. It's completely different international football. So yeah. that's just where they are at the minute. They are, I look at the table, they are fourth in the group and Serbia and Portugal are definitely going to qualify. But the surprise team in that package has been Luxembourg, who are now five points ahead of the Republic Island. Where does Stephen Kenny do now with the last two or three games to try to pick up some points to try to get closer, you know, to finish a little bit better? 
I mean, to be fair, I did feel a little bit sorry for him the other night because they hung on for so long. Obviously, they took the early lead against Portugal, but Cristiano Ronaldo just, shall we say, just doing a Cristiano Ronaldo, just dragging his team through single-handedly. But yeah, they did show a lot of fight in that game. And a lot of time you watch Ireland, they do seem to have that fighting spirit in the camp. But as I say, the quality, Stephen Kenny, I mean... I don't know what really more you can expect from him. I mean, I, I personally don't think Martin O'Neill and Roy Keane should have ever got the sack. They obviously qualified for the Euros in 2016, missed out on the World Cup. But when was the last time Ireland qualified for a World Cup? I thought I thought that was harsh, to be honest. I know there was on a bad run at the time, but I think Martin O'Neill's the best manager that Ireland have had in, in many, many years. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you as well. It is surprising the way Irish football is going at the moment. Uh, and I know they are trying, trying to improve. But like I said, it's the quality of the players that they gave from the Championship is not being good enough. And I think that's what it's been a decline of Irish players playing in the, not in probably the top two English leagues as well. Mm. I mean, just looking at this starting eleven that played against Portugal, I mean, the quality of players, Ida, probably a mid-table Championship player, Connolly, decent player, McGrath, championship player. Coleman, great player, but past his best. Hendrick is a low-level Premier League player, solid. Cullen, championship player. Doherty, for me, a low-level Premier League player. I think the guy's absolutely shite. And Egan, Duffy, O'Shea. All, if we're being honest, I know Duffy's had a decent start to the season for Brighton. All probably championship centre-backs as well. So, as I say, that I mean, I said Coleman's the best player. The second best player is maybe Doherty. And I'll say he's absolutely garbage. He's been a terrible signing for Spurs. So it's it's a long way back for Ireland, really, in terms of really challenging closely to qualify for tournaments again. Yeah, it is going to be interesting if we can try to qualify for tournaments again. Um, let's turn our attention to Northern Ireland. That was a huge win for them this weekend, winning 4-1 against Lithuania. They're now only three points behind Switzerland who are now in second place. Um, mm. Can Nova Island really do it now? Because this is another good, huge opportunity for them now that it's open because that group, in their, their group is wide open now. Yeah, yeah, great win for them. Was that was that friendly, that game? No, it was a, it was a qualified campaign against Lithuania. So it was a qualification, yeah. Oh, no, I think they're playing a friendly tonight, aren't they? Not yeah, they are playing a friendly yeah, yeah. tonight. So... Right. Well, yeah. I mean, how many points are they off uh, off qualification now, as it stands? Just three, at least three. Just three. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I mean, look, I mean, they qualified as well for the for the Euros in twenty sixteen, didn't they? If they could qualify for a World Cup, that'd be a massive achievement for them, really. And in terms, of, I think they've, you know, that actually doesn't look good for Republic of Ireland because you wouldn't say that Northern Ireland have got better quality players in their squad. I think Johnny Evans is a better player than any of the Republic of Ireland players. But other than that, I mean, I was watching some of the highlights earlier on. They've got Kyle Lafferty playing up front. He's he's a decent, you know, championship striker about five years ago. Yeah. I mean, but again, when you watch them, they seem to have a good spirit. They certainly, the manager's got them set up really well. And yeah, I've got a lot of time for Northern Ireland, to be honest. I hope they can achieve the miracle, if you want to call it that, and, and qualify. Absolutely, dude. I think they can get second place. I think Italy will just blow that blow that group that in, in later on in the stages. Like I said, Northern Ireland need to play three more games because they've played 
three games. Bulgarians played five, but Bulgarians have drawn two the last two games and lost two as well. So, yeah, it's it's kind of wide open now for that. Yeah, I have to admit, I think Novak could could have a decent chance. I really do. I hope so. It's good to see as many as many home nations qualify as possible. I mean, look, <laughs> it's a good job Doug's not on the show anymore to hear me saying this, but. I've got no time for Scotland, but I mean, come on, how great was it for England and Scotland to be playing each other in the Euros this past summer? It is nice to see these teams qualify because if you played them, the you know, the massive games, it's like at club level, like as a United fan, I wouldn't ever want Liverpool to get relegated. I, well, it'd be great if they did, but you want <laughs> them. <laughs> it'd be fantastic. I'd be, I'd be having a party like a carnival. But you want them massive games. At the end of the day, that's that's why you're a football fan. It's these big games, they're special. They're what you live for as a football fan. So, yeah, I hope Northern Ireland can qualify. And um, I see no reason why they can't going off the recent form. Italy is the one where, obviously, I don't see them getting out when they play them again. But maybe to get that second spot, maybe get through via the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, it'd be it'd be interesting if not when I can try to pull off a couple more wins in in their group as well. Uh, looking at the other groups as well, we see last this past weekend Norway are looking fantastic as well. Uh, Alan scored again. Can you see them really now getting to the World Cup now, Norway? Because they only level points get behind Netherlands and Turkey by one point behind Turkey as well. Yeah, and to be honest, when when I've seen Norway, I don't. I think they're probably a better team than Turkey. I thought Turkey were a massive disappointment in the in the Euros after how much they were hyped up. And Norway, we spoke about the lack of talent, talent in Ireland at the minute. Some of the young talent that's been produced in Norway, obviously Haaland, Erdegaard as well. There's, there's a lot of um, a few other exciting young prospects as well. So they'd be an interesting team to look out for at the World Cup, really, with, with the young talent they've got, really. You know, Haaland on, on that big stage would be a massive opportunity for him to go and showcase himself as one of the world's best strikers. I'm sure he believes he is, and, and he probably is. So, yeah, again, that, that's great for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, looking at their group, Germany, and we know they're playing tonight, but Iceland have really been struggling. It's not been the same Iceland team since when they came into the World Cup in 2018 and the Euros when they embarrassingly beat us, which I, I hate to say it. But are you surprised how Iceland's demise is, is happened after the, the last World Cup camp, campaign? Uh, not really, to be honest. I thought it, it, they had a bit of a honeymoon period for a couple of years, didn't they? I mean, they surprisingly qualified for the Euros. Beatles is, yeah, let's just move on from that. Don't, yeah. Not even worth talking about. <laughs> nope. But when they qualified for the World Cup, I was, I, I was still surprised by that, to be honest. I thought maybe it would be a bit of a a one-hit wonder, if you like, but qualified. and But yeah, I think their their honeymoon period's over now, really. I think probably be a good few years until they're looking at getting to a tournament again at this rate. Yeah, yeah. It's a shame, you know, of the, the fans that they brought were so passionate and you was with the Viking clap and all that stuff. But like I said, the honeymoon period is over, indeed. It is over. So, we've done the World Cup. We'll talk to, finish out the World Cup campaign story now. Um, let's go to the transfer roundup and let's say, boy, what a transfer window we had raking. What a transfer window. We did think two of the greatest players were going to leave, especially the big one, the two big ones, Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi. 
Ronaldo's now back at United. It, what was this a CU surprise when 24 hours prior to it that he thought he was going to Man City? <laughs> and then somehow you lot, so I folks made that quick call said, listen, sir, listen, son, come back to Old Trafford. You know you want to. Steve Ronaldo. Oh, mate. <laughs> he, he was never going to the blue side in Manchester, was he? Cristiano Ronaldo. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you, mate. When it when it first came out, when it first said Mendes has contacted City, I'm sort of thinking, yeah, but he's doing what any agent would do. Ronaldo, Ronaldo's never going to go there. But then over the next couple of days, the stories that were coming out that they were in talks, Ronaldo had approved. You're thinking, no, 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 you can't do this. This is, one. well, in my opinion, the greatest footballer of all time and one of our legends going to City. At that point, from a PR point of view, you finish the club. If you, if, if you, as Manchester United, let Cristiano Ronaldo go to Manchester City, you're absolutely finished as a club. But it's interesting, according to the Athletic, basically Mendes had been communic- had been contacting United for several months, indicating that Cristiano would be interested in coming back. He wanted to leave Juventus. We didn't ever think we'd be able to basically do a deal with Juventus that they'd ever let him go. And I never thought the would, to be honest. I always thought they'd find some way to get around the massive wage ball they've got there, maybe offload a couple of other players. But obviously, so we sort of no-sold that, if you like. We didn't think we'd be able to do it. But then the last minute, they contact City. That, and this this is sort of just me, my interpretation. But I think they knew that as much as I think Ronaldo would have gone to City if United didn't come in reluctantly, I think they knew that United would never let him go to City. And he's back. He is back, baby. The last dance. Cristiano Ronaldo, 22nd league title in 21. We can't say 21 in 21 like it was last year. 21 in 22. Fuck Liverpool. Fuck Chelsea. Fuck Man City. I'm dropping an F-bomb because we're not shackled by corporate stooges anymore. We can say what we want. Yeah. And Cristiano Ronaldo is back. But, you know, I think it's... It's, <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> I think that's because you had a call with me right now, actually. So. <laughs> that's because Sky Sports won our employers after the success yeah. of first show. Yeah. But I think on a wider note, I think it is great for the Premier League, Carl, on a whole. I think just the brand of Cristiano Ronaldo being back in the Premier League, you know, all the top players want to, well, not all of them, but I think, 90% of top players, they want to play in the Premier League now, especially with the dire financial state of the likes of Barcelona and Real Madrid and, and Juventus having to get rid of Ronaldo. But, I mean, people question this guy. I mean, I see Paul Mason on Sky saying, oh, I'm not sure about this sign. He's 36. Mm-hmm. Me and Coddy were saying this on our latest podcast. He's not 36, though. He's got the body of like a 27, 28-year-old. And it's, look, it's a two-year contract with the option of a further year, but I wouldn't be surprised one bit the mentality that guy, the condition he keeps himself in, if at 40 in four years' time, he's still playing at a high level. So, well, this guy's going to make a big difference for us. Does it mean that, you know, and the Premier League trophy to us now, we're guaranteed winners? Absolutely not, no, because at the end of the day, we actually weren't struggling to score goals anyway. It's not like we were having massive issues in attack, but... It's the mentality and the leadership of that guy on the pitch, the influence you have in that dressing room, and the fact that we've got someone there now. Who, when we're struggling in a game, when our backs are up against the wall, we're not playing well. 
he'll do what he did for Portugal the other night. He'll drag us over the line all on his own. And I'm chuffed to bits, mate. I don't think I've ever been this happy of a transfer. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised as well. Um, we talked. We spoke. We spoke to Doug about the Liverpool transfer de- uh, window. Um, do you think it was disappointing for Liverpool that they didn't sign any more players, or do you think this was not a surprise at all that they would sign one player and they just let it out goes? As well as Michael Edwards is now looking to leave as well too. That's going to be a huge blow for Liverpool. Yeah, I think what most people surprised me, I know there's people saying about a striker as well, and I think ideally they could have done with a striker. I think Firmino is done, to be honest. I think their best front three this season will probably be Salah, Mane and Jota. I think Firmino's a bag of shit, let's be honest. But I think the big surprises with Wijnaldum going, who I think has been one of their key players the last three or four years in this golden period for Liverpool. Do you think he was underrated? Do you think he was underrated as well? Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. The credit always went to what, the front three and, you know, Van Dijk, Allison, the fullbacks, etc. Wijnaldum never got enough praise. I mean, the work he did in that midfield. I mean, do you know what, Carl? The generation win, it's probably because he didn't get many goals or an assist. So the little stat monkeys don't, don't rave about players like that. But you watch what, what a top player he'll be for PSG. And if they win the Champions League this season, which I don't think they will, by the way, but he'll be a massive part. Like, you, you can go on about Messi and the front three they've got. Wijnaldum be a key part of that team and he, he was for Liverpool and will not replace an improve costly for them. I know they've got obviously Harvey Elliott's played the last couple of games. I thought he played quite well against Chelsea actually. Yeah, he did. And they've got young Curtis Jones who looks decent last season as well. So it's going to be interesting to see. But with Canate, if they can keep him fit, when he plays alongside Van Dijk, I think he'll look good because I think he's probably quality-wise... He's probably similar to Gomez or Matic, where next to Van Dijk, they look brilliant. But we see last season, you take Van Dijk out of that back four, completely different ball game. But also an interesting stat on him is he's actually only played 22 games in the last two seasons, and that's not even starts, that's 22 appearances. So wow. that's a worry. He's got, yeah, he's got a really bad injury record. So Liverpool, if they keep all the players fit, if the front three can all get firing, well, Salah was firing last season anyway, Jota was good, but had a couple of injuries. Obviously, Mane had a really disappointing year. But if they can get firing and everyone stays fit, they can challenge. But you would think that the other three teams have got just a little bit more at this moment in time. Yeah, absolutely. Indeed, they do. Um, also, we got to turn to Chelsea. Uh, what a transfer that they had as well. They saw some good young players that overcome the Premier League and around Europe. But they brought so Negates from Atletico Madrid. Is that really a surprise that he just signed a 90 deal a couple of years ago? He used to be the future of Atletico <laughs> Madrid. And now he's not Chelsea. And this is a good deal for, for Chelsea. I know for, for Thomas Tuchel as well, because they got a, a really, really good player who, who's, who's been treated different harshly by Diego Simeone. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the... And I'm not being critical of this signing anyway, but I don't think he even needed them. You look at that midfield already. Jorginho, Kante... Kovacic, you can drop Mason Mount back in the loftus cheek. But bringing Salah Gez in, now he's another one. He's had a, quite a few injury problems, so that would be a little bit of a concern. But if he stays fit, that's obviously another really, really good sign in that midfield. And I think it, I think he'll suit a two-shell team. So he's got that work rate. He's got that tenacity. He's got that bit of nastiness in his game as well. He's sort of a mix between... He's got the flair in his game, and then he's also got that, if you want to call that Roy Keane side to him, that bit, a bit of shit if you want to say. Yeah. But I mean, 
Lukaku as well. I mean, look, losing Tammy Abraham, I'm a big fan of him. But if you're bringing in Lukaku, one of the best centre forwards in world football, and I mean, my friend who's who's a fellow United fan, he was he was sort of saying, "Oh yeah, Lukaku won't make a difference for Chelsea. He's crap for United." Blah blah blah. But I was saying, "Yeah, look." Did I want Lukaku to be sold when he's at United? Yeah, I did. I didn't rate him during his time at United. I thought he was thoroughly underwhelming, but make no mistake about it. This this isn't the Lukaku we played for Manchester United. This is a completely different beast. He has, under Conte, who deserves a lot of praise, to be honest, for the two years he spent with him, he has developed into one of the most complete centre-forwards in world football. You see now his touch, his hold-up play, his link plays, his strength and He's not someone who's who's going to run about like crazy all game and press and press and press, but the timing of his runs is very intelligent. Whereas you see at United, you'd play the ball into him and he had the first touch for a trampoline. It would bounce off him and he was overweight at times and he obviously had problems with his diet, etc. But yeah, credit to Antonio Conte. And this guy, look, Chelsea are going to play poorly in a lot of games this season, but one chance will fall to Lukaku, bang, they're back in the game or bang, the 1-0 up and they're taking the three points. Having a player like that will be the difference. And this is the thing why I asked Cody, who's obviously a City fan, my co-host on Pub Talk Football, I said to him, United have now got Ronaldo, Chelsea have signed Lukaku, obviously Liverpool, if they've got Salah, they've got Mane if he gets back to top form. But City will score a lot of goals, but will not having that one player who in a tight game, when a chance falls them, you know they're going to put it away. Will that cost them? I mean, as I say, they've still got the quality there. They've still got the squad one and come in the Premier League, definitely, and, may, and even give the Champions League another good run. But that's the only question Mark had about them, just because of United signing Ronaldo and Chelsea bringing in Lukaku. They've just got that clinical centre-forward, that killer in the box. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, the killer in the box, what Lukaku is now, he's a different player. We see Tammy Area now start his killing instinct in Syria, you know, his first game, he actually really played really well and he scored his yep. two first two debut goals in the following week as well. Um, before we go to Arsenal, we'll talk about Leeds. Um, last day transfer window, we all, for me as only fan, this was coming I was glad this is, this new, this room is now done and over. Dan James coming from Manchester United, Spencer for Ronaldo coming in at Old Trafford. Um, £25 million, is that really a good deal for us? Yeah, I, th- I think it's a good deal for United as well. Look, I know Leeds are a rival, but I'm happy for the lad. I really am happy for the lad. Look, I wanted him sold because I just think, especially Ronaldo coming in now, Jesse Lingard staying, who I think is probably a better fit for us. We've got so much, op- well, so many options, so much quality in attacking areas in Ronaldo, Cavani, Rashford, Sancho, Greenwood, Martial, etc. That his game time was going to be limited and. Well, I like Dan James. Every single time he put on that Man United shirt, every minute he played for the club, he gave his all. And I can, I can never question his commitment. Seems like a great lad. He's got a great attitude. But he was just never quite going to be good enough for us. But do you know what? He'll go to Leeds under Bielsa. And Bielsa's a great coach. I'm sure he'll become a, a very, very important player for you. And I, I hope he does. I hope, I hope he plays every week and he plays really well. And I, I honestly wish him all the best. And I think you have got a very good player there for Leeds. I think it's a good deal for both parties, really. £25 million, I mean, what, £10 million profit for what we paid for him. I can't really complain about that too much. 
absolutely. And as well, we know that the history of what happened with the lap when we did try to sign it from Swansea, uh, the deal ended when he actually had this. The, the, yeah, you can laugh it off. I, I think when he had this, he was taking photos, had the shirt up, and then Swansea pulled out the deal. And then, like I said, this has been a long time coming. And I think the, the Leeds board, including Victor Ote, the director of football, was really was saying that. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. But I think he knew he was going to try to redeem himself if he can get down James. And he has redeemed himself. I think it's been a decent transfer window for Leeds in the end. Yeah, I mean, look, if you if you lose Rafinha in the next 12 months or in January, then maybe you've already got a ready-made replacement there, another wide player of who I'm sure will be top quality for you. And, I, and as I say, I hope he is real. I, I do wish him all the best sometimes. If a player leaves your club on bad terms that you really don't like, you sort of you're a bit nonchalant about it, you don't really care how to do. But with Dan James, he's a good lad and he's gonna have a good career in the game. And he wasn't the answer for us, he wasn't quite Man United quality, but for Leeds, he will be a very, very good player. But Leeds' transfer window overall, I, from an outside point of view, I don't know what you think as a Leeds fan, but I think it's been quite decent, really. You've, you've obviously got James in. You've got a left back in Junior Furpo. I mean, are you happy with your window overall? Yeah, I'm happy a little bit. I think we could have made one more signing, which is the centre mid situation. But I think we're not looking as much now until January. I think what Bielsa will do is he's going to see the players that he's seen in the under 20s, like Joe Geddar, who's been tremendously well. So I think that will be uh, probably if it can be a backup to Bamford. I think that will be really good. And we've now seen how Bamford's now in the England squad. I think it gives Joggy Hat some confidence that he could try to challenge Bradford. But it's been a decent window for us. It's the best we could do. But like I said, we did spend a lot of money last season, £100 million. So we didn't know we had to spend on the right players that we needed. But it's been it's been the, the best we can. We can't judge. We can't criticise the ball. We, we're trying our best to get the players. But like I said, the valuation is of some certain play, these players and our way out of our, our transfer budget. Hmm. Yeah, and it's a good thing that you have your one or two targets in a certain position. And if I do think if you can't get your first one, two, maybe three or stretch targets, you shouldn't panic and just think, well, we need someone. Let's go panic last minute and buy this player. No, no. If you can't get your first targets, wait till January or wait till next summer and buy the players that you actually want at your football club. Maybe, you know, Leeds probably were looking at a few midfield players, but maybe you just couldn't quite get the one you wanted this summer. So maybe you'll you wait till next summer if, if Calvin Phillips is going to go next summer or whether, even if he's going to sign a new contract, maybe you'll still look to improve in that area. But, I mean, Rodrigo is a very important player for you as well. I think he will be this season. Him dropping back into that midfield, playing that number eight role, I've been really impressed with him and I think he'll be key to the way Bielsa wants to play. I think his ability to, to you know, join in with that press from the front and his... He's one two touch game in the middle of the park as well, and his technique, I think, he's a really good player. So if, if Phillips can stay fit, you know you've got other options where you've got the likes of Dallas who can go into the midfield, etc. So I think you have got a lot of quality options there. Absolutely, indeed. Now let's turn our attention to the banter FC <laughs> to Arsenal. Um, what can you say about Arsenal? This try to win the ring game. This 150 million pounds on players of the future are not the now. Uh, I'm going to... No, I'm disagreeing with your negativity here, Cal. We've got to give a bit of credit to Arsenal. They've set a precedent here. They've set a precedent for how you can spend. Is it 150? It's about 130, 150 they've spent. 150, yeah, yeah. So they've showed how you can spend 150 million without improving your team. 
I mean, I'm sorry, but I'm not impressed by their summer business at all. I think they've made one signing that strengthens their 11, and that's Erdegaard, who I do think he's a really good player. But all right, let's go through the other signings then. I mean, Ben White, I'm sure you've got a lot of affection for him. He had that really good season at Leeds when he got promoted, but yeah. he's worth about 15, 20 million. And in a back four, especially next to frigging Pablo Murray in that Arsenal city, he's, he's going to get bullied this season. Yeah, we know it's gonna get. Yeah. We see it against Brentford, mate, when Ivan Tony just stuck himself on him. You know, a lot of teams are going to play two up top against Arsenal as well, and they're going to have a big centre forward who's going to sit on Ben White. They'll go in them long diagonals because it's easy to bully that Arsenal backline. It has been for years. So that's a complete waste of money, in my opinion. Um, Lukonga, I mean, first two games actually fly up to decent, but he's, what, 21? And they're going to be expecting him to come in and play every week and really have a big impact. It's a big ask. Tommy Asu, the right back, I've, I've never seen him play, so I can't really comment. But mm. obviously getting Hector Bellerin out is a massive plus because that guy is one of the worst right-backs I've ever seen playing the Premier League. The guy is an absolute bum. He's a disgrace to professional football. Ra Nuno Tavares, a backup left-back. I mean, I'm not saying he's a bad player, but a backup left-back. Less said, the better. And Ramsdale, was it 30 million in the end with add-ons on Aaron yeah. Shitsdale? Mate, he is absolutely horrendous. I mean, he's only young, so he could improve and he could become a decent Premier League goalkeeper. But at the minute, the guy is a championship keeper. The last two seasons, especially last season for Sheffield United, he made mistake after mistake after mistake. I mean, I know Leno's coming for criticism and I do think that Emmy Martinez was their best keeper and they never should have sold him. But, mate, Leno is like prime David De Gea compared to Aaron Ramsdale. So, I mean, look, they're a good age, these players, in terms of the bought six under 23 players. It's interesting watching the interview of Edu on Sky Sports, what he did. He, he was sort of really emphasising the fact that they'd recruited well because there was under 23 players. You ought to ask the last season and thought, the problem with their squad is that all the best players are youngsters. So you Sackers, Smith Rose, yeah. Gabriel at times, Tierney, Sung at 24. They needed to buy, to add three or four players. Quality players have experienced this summer. And when I say experienced, not 33-year-old rejects from Chelsea as they usually do. Say 23 to 28, 29 sort of range where they're experienced, but they've still got room to improve. So Arsenal, they're not going anywhere fast, put it that way. They're not getting anywhere near the top four this season. And I'll tell you how far Arsenal have fallen, Cal. I don't even think their ambition is top four. I think their aim... It's to just get back in the top six. I think they'd be absolutely over the moon with that. I mean, I know it's nice to have a long-term project and I think they are showing patience with Arteta, but I've got a question there, do. So I think the recruitment over the past few years, you can criticise the owners, but at the end of the day, for three or four years now, they are actually spending money and the net spend is quite high as well. It's yeah. not like they're having to sell to buy. It's just not been good enough. You look at that squad for the amount they've spent. I know they've not spent as much as, say, a Chelsea or even a United at times, but that squad, there's three or four players in there I really like, but the rest, you wouldn't touch them with a barge pole. <laughs> yeah, absolutely indeed. Uh, to finish up, Reagan, give me your three winners and losers of the transfer window, three of the club's winners from each club. 
Well, I'm biased, but even before Ronaldo, I'd have put Manchester United in there because I thought even Sancho and Varane, I'm thinking, wow, what a window. I mean, one more would be ideal. But I know obviously when they got Ronaldo, so I'd have to put United in there. Chelsea, I'd have to say Chelsea, Lukaku and Sal. Obviously, missed out on Kunde, but I don't think that'll matter too much. They've got a top back line. I'd probably say Aston Villa as well because they've lost Jack Grealish, but they've made some really good signings. Danny Ings is off to a flyer. Buendia is going to be a really good player for them. I think Ashley Young adds experience and quality. Losers. Arsenal. I've got to put Arsenal in there. It's been a shocking transfer window for them in relative to the amount they've spent, in my opinion. Newcastle. I'd say they've signed Joe Willock, who's was fantastic for them last season. I think he will be a good signing for them, but I think they needed a lot more than that. <sighs> One more. I would probably say... I could be left feg on my face. I could be proven wrong because they've done quite a bit of business. But I'd say Crystal Palace. Now, in terms of individual signings, I like they've signed a lot of good young players who will be exciting to watch over the next few years. But they've not really added anyone of Premier League experience. So I do worry for them this season. So I'd probably go Arsenal, Newcastle and Crystal Palace, who I do think are really going to struggle this year. Yeah, it's interesting that, especially with Crystal Palace side, also Edouard from Celtic. Um, yeah, but like I said, like I said, it's your opinion, and we have to see if the them their their transfer business it will, could pay off. Who knows? So we'll see if they can get some score some goals now, because that's the important thing for Palace now under Patrick Vieira. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was actually. I didn't think I'd be saying this twelve months ago, but I think it was key that. They held on to Christian Benteco, I think, was one of the 15 players out of contracts now to renew that. And if you remember the last few months of last season, he was actually in quite good goal-scoring form for them. And they are lacking players, particularly when Zaha's out of the team, whose level has dropped the last couple of years, by the way. But they do lack players who can score goals at this level. So hanging on to Benteco was key, I think. And obviously a big worry for them is Eze been out for still, I think he's out to the new year, isn't he? Yeah, he is. No, he's out. I mean, he was probably their best player last season before his injury. So I do worry for Palace, particularly with an inexperienced manager in Vieira, who I like, but he's got a mixed bag of results as a manager, shall we say? And that's probably been kind. So yeah, I do worry for Palace. They've had that stability of Roy Hodgson where started the season, you made your predictions. You never predicted Palace to go down. You never thought there was going to break into the top half and challenge for the European places. But there was always a sturdy, you know, solid Premier League team. But this season, it's a different ball game. It is a different ball game indeed. Reagan, thank you very much for your time. I know your laptop was taking a bit of time, but at least we got you on. And But like I said, we are now this new era, this new ball game for us, for you, me and Doug. And we're going to get a lot of guests and a lot of stuff that we're going to be doing. It's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of banter we're going to have over the next couple of months. Yeah, as I say, make sure you keep tuning into this. Don't tune into um can't remember the name of your channel. <coughs> <It's on radio. laughs> yeah, don't, don't tune into that. Keep, make sure you hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Leave a like on the video and uh yeah, thanks for watching. There's more content coming around the corner. It's always good to get together with Carl and Doug and yeah, talk about a bit of football. So stay tuned in. Absolutely, cheers, Reggie. Uh, that is all we've got time for. We'll, be, we'll hopefully get uh, we'll have us three back together as one after when the Premier League is back. 
but feel free to join to join on our podcast services via Spotify, Apple, and other podcast services, as well as on YouTube as well, and as our Facebook page. And you can find us at Twitter now at LH Football Pod. That is our new Twitter username. But thank you very much for everyone. Uh, we'll see you again next time. Take it for now. Bye bye.